get goose pimples down the back. And uh, it's, uh, you know, a very powerful book. It's a very powerful story. And I believe that God has much to uh, show us and reveal to us in it. I think one of the issues that we have is that we know it too well. We're too familiar with it. We think we know it. And we think we've actually moved on from it. When in reality, we haven't. We're still in it. And I wish sometimes that I could turn the clock back and come and look at the scriptures in fresh eyes, those new eyes, you know, and almost to read them for the the first time. And one of the things I want to challenge you this morning is just to take this week leading up to Pentecost and perhaps just to read these opening chapters of, of Acts with new eyes. And say, Lord, what are you wanting to show me through this? What are you wanting to do in my life in this? How do I encounter the Holy Spirit? What difference does the Holy Spirit make in my life? How is the Holy Spirit evident in my attitudes, in my actions, in my daily living? How different am I to my neighbour? to my work colleague, there. Yesterday was the BU conference, BU assembly here in in Peterborough, and Lynn Green, the General Secretary of the Baptist Union, in her closing address, spoke about that she'd been praying, and and God just had said to her that he wanted to set a fire over his church. He wanted to set a fire over his church, the fire of the Holy Spirit. And it's something that's actually been stirring in my own heart is that I believe that God would want to bring a new season of his spirit. And if you're like me, when you're a bit old in the tooth, you've probably heard that many times. And you've thought, here we go again. Here we go again. But there is a sense in which God does move in seasons. And so come to the book of Acts in a sense like those first disciples. I know we can't because we know the end of the story or we think we know the end of the story. The story's not yet ended. The book of Acts has not yet ended. Because I want to tell you this morning, you are in the book of Acts. We are in the book of Acts. If you look at the end of the Acts, it doesn't actually close. Because the book is still open, the story is still being told, and each and every one of us is in it. So come, how did those disciples feel? What were those disciples expecting? As they saw Jesus being lifted up and going through the clouds, and disappearing from their sight, and all they've got is ringing in their ears is a promise, that I'm going to ask the Father to send you the promise, the promised Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit comes, you will receive power to be my witnesses. And in a sense, I'm just simply moving on a little bit. We've not read the passage, but let's do that. Acts 1, 1. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instruction through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. 
After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave them many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptised with water, but in a few days you will be baptised with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered round him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sights. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand there looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. There's so much in that passage, so much that we could draw upon. But who is this Holy Spirit that Jesus speaks about? Now, I don't very often give you this permission, but I want to give you the permission just for a moment to close your eyes. Just to close your eyes. If I was to say to you the phrase, God the Father, what do you picture? What comes to mind? What comes to mind? God the Father. I hope it's not an elderly gentleman with a long white beard sitting on a cloud, surrounded with lots of people playing harps. If I was to say Jesus the Son, what comes to mind? What comes to your mind? What comes into your imagination? What do you start to picture? What do you start to picture? And now if I say God the Holy Spirit, what comes to your mind? What images come before you? Okay, before you fall asleep, you can open your eyes. But it'd be interesting to see what has come and what your thoughts have been. In John chapter 3, verse 8, Jesus says the Holy Spirit is like a wind. Obviously this is not uh, working. Okay, Sophie, can you move it on, could you please? Okay, Jesus says that he's like a wind. But it's difficult to picture the wind, isn't it? He says there, the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is like a wind. For Jesus, the Holy Spirit is an unseen force. Jesus is saying to us that the Spirit is the unseen person of God who is at work in our lives. 
He's not visible, but he's real and he's powerful and his influence is seen in what he does in us and through us and through the lives that he touches and the lives that he fills. Now, we can't describe the wind, but we can see his effect. We've all had the bad hair day when the wind's blowing. We've all seen the branches of the trees swaying. But can you describe the wind? We can describe, we we can describe its effects. Jesus is saying the Holy Spirit is this power. Later in John's Gospel, Jesus says, for he lives with you and will be in you. Wow! Do you hear that? The Spirit of God is not only with you, but he's in you. Today, if you believe in Jesus Christ, if you belong to Jesus Christ, if you have confessed Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour, then the Spirit of God lives in you. That's incredible, isn't it? Absolutely incredible. You see, before Jesus entered the world in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit was present in the world. The second verse of Genesis chapter 1 speaks about him hovering over the world at creation. But he did not permanently indwell the lives of those who believed in God. He came upon individuals at special times and in special places and for special purposes. He came upon people there. But even through the Old Testament, God was working to a plan and to a purpose. Through the prophet Joel, he spoke that he would pour out my spirit on all people, on my servants, both men and women. There, that prophecy, even Moses was looking forward to a time when God would pour out his spirit upon all people. In Acts 1, 5, Jesus promises the disciples that they will be baptised with the Holy Spirit. Later, in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, Paul writes, for we were all baptised with one Spirit. Notice the difference? Notice the difference? In the one, he says, you will be. In the other, he says, you have all been. What's happened Acts chapter 2 has happened. That's what's happened. The Spirit has come to indwell all of God's people. The Spirit of God has come to live within God's people. That's what happened. And on that day of Pentecost, everything changed in one of the most momentous and important events in human history. God came and inhabited his people. So the question is, how do we see the Holy Spirit at work in our lives? Just very quickly, I want to look at three areas. The Holy Spirit gives new birth. This still isn't... Oh, this is working now. Right, okay. In John 3, John, Jesus tell, has a conversation with a man called Nicodemus and he just simply says to, you, to him, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. And he goes on to speak that you need to be born again of water and of the Spirit. Now we understand being born again of the water, don't we? Baptism. 
We have a baptistry here in front of us and we, we see people go down into those waters and we can picture it and we can understand it, that there, I guess, going into the water is a, is a new birth. We go down as our old self, but we come out as a new self in Christ. But to be born of the Spirit, in the little letter of Titus, it speaks about he, God, that is God, saved us because of his mercy and, because of no, and, and not because of any good thing that we have done. Do you hear that? God saved us because of his mercy, because of his love. Not because of anything David Whitlock has done, not because of anything that you have done, not because of how great we are, but simply because of his mercy. God has saved us. And then it says, God washed us by the power of his Holy Spirit. He gave us new birth and a fresh beginning. If you like, God's Holy Spirit is his giant washing machine. He stuffed you in with all the muck and the mess and the shame and the guilt and the sin of your life. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, he's washed you clean. He's washed you clean. And he's given you a new birth and a new hope and a new life through the power of his Holy Spirit. And he gives you a new and a fresh beginning, as Titus puts it. And so as Paul puts it, the old has gone and the new has come. Praise God. Praise God. Here's a simple truth. The Bible tells me that before I came to Christ, I was spiritually dead in my sin. I couldn't know God. I couldn't know him. I was spiritually dead. But then it goes on. Now I have come to Christ, I am spiritually alive in Christ through new birth. And yes, that new birth comes through the death and the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. But it is brought to fruition in our lives through the life-giving work of the Holy Spirit. Jesus puts it like this in John. The Spirit, is, John chapter 6, verse 68. The Spirit is the one who gives life. Human strength can do nothing. Again, It just points to the glory and the majesty and the power of God, but of our human weakness and frailty and inability there. Because of sin, we are spiritually dead, alienated from God. We need a new life. So God sends the person of his Holy Spirit into our lives. Through our faith in Jesus Christ, God takes who, we are, the, who are spiritually dead and gives them a new birth through the work of the Holy Spirit and makes them spiritually alive in him. But the Holy Spirit also baptises me. What does it mean for the Holy Spirit to baptise us? Baptism simply means to be immersed in something. We see it again, don't we, in the baptistry. People are immersed in that water. As a, sign, as a symbol of cleansing. Jesus again answers that question very clearly in John's Gospel. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and you be with you forever. He will, for he lives with you and will be in you. 
the person of God comes into our lives through his spirit. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is the placing of the believer into the very body of Christ, into Christ himself. We read this in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. For we were all baptised by one spirit into one body, whether Jew or Greek, slave or free, and were given one spirit to drink. One spirit, one body, being baptised by the Holy Spirit is a clear picture of our unity in the body of Christ. In the body of Christ. There are over 150 New Testament references to our being in Christ. If you want to know what it is to be in Christ, read the book of Ephesians, because it almost seems as if it's every other verse there. Ephesians 1, 13 says, And you, and you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. You're included in Christ. You're living in Christ. God's Spirit puts us into Christ. You don't have to do anything to put yourself into him. The moment you are saved, the moment you confess Jesus as Saviour and Lord, God himself puts you into Christ through his Spirit. What does it mean to be in Christ? It means that when God looks on you, he sees you in the light of your faith in Jesus Christ. When God looks at you, he sees his son, Jesus Christ, because you are hidden in him. As Paul puts it, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Wow! Doesn't that blow your mind away? David Whitlock, you died. David Whitlock no longer lives because David Whitlock lives in Christ. That is where I am. What does it mean? Well, just think for a moment. I've got a crumpled up piece of paper. My printer was messing up this morning when I was printing things off and it printed gobbledygook. Whether you thought I was going to be having the gift of tongues and interpretation this morning, I don't know, but, but that's it. And, you know, that's our life, isn't it? So often we feel it's gobbledygook and it's crumpled. But you see, we come to Christ and take the Bible. This is Christ. And what God does is he puts our life in there and he hides it it hides it in Christ so that all my sin all my shame all my guilt all my dirt all my mess all my mucking up is hidden in Christ is taken in Christ and he does that by the power of his spirit it's a one time event it occurs at the moment of salvation it's a universal experience for all believers, for all who come and confess their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. 
that there our lives are hidden in Christ. If you don't take anything away else away from this morning, take that a fact. That your life is hidden in Christ. That when God sees you, he sees Christ. He doesn't see your dirty robes. He sees the glorious robes of his son, Jesus Christ. In all their purity and holiness. But it means also, the Holy Spirit also indwells me. In the Old Testament, where did God dwell? He dwelt in the temple. Believers had to go journey to the temple to meet with God. And there was an elaborate procedure to go through as they came to the temple. When Jesus died on that day at Calvary, the sky darkened and he hung on that cross. And something very significant happened. As he cried out, it is finished. In the temple, the great big curtain that divided God from humanity was torn from top to bottom. From top to bottom. An action that God, a word that God was sending out to the world, that God was changing his address. That God was coming. And God was coming to reside in a new temple. The temple of you and me. The temple of our body. The New Testament teaches us that God no longer dwells in that physical temple there in Jerusalem. He dwells in his people. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? whom you have received from God. How does that make you feel? Yeah, okay, I'm getting older and I'm getting more and more aware of my restrictions physically and who knows what the next 10, 10, 20, 30 years will bring for me. And I know many of us here are feeling this morning our own physical frailty. But can I say to you, God the Holy Spirit lives in that temple. Lives in that temple. Lives in you. If only we could really grasp that. If only we could really get hold of that. That the power of God himself, the one who created the universe, the one who stepped down into the world as a baby in a manger, The one who holds the world in his hand has put his spirit in you and me. And he lives in us. But what does that mean to you? What does that mean to you? Remember the words of Jesus? For he lives with you. And will be in you. Can I tell you? I think most of us stop halfway through that verse. And we think the Holy Spirit only lives with us. And we haven't gone on to that second part. 
that the Holy Spirit lives in us. And he is the power that enables us to live the life that God has called us to. You see, we come to Pentecost and I think there's something in our hearts that constantly simply says, Lord, send a new Pentecost. We want a new Pentecost. And I know what we mean because I've said it. But it's not a new Pentecost that we need because there is only one Pentecost. There is only one Pentecost. God has sent his Spirit. And God's Spirit already lives in you if you confess Jesus Christ as Lord. What we need is a release of that Spirit that is within us. That Spirit that is already there within us. And shall I say it? Some of us are like a bottle of pop. We're keeping the top tightly squeezed on. When God wants us to release that top. And you know what it's like, don't you? If you release it suddenly, it's all shook up, it goes everywhere. But that's not God. He releases it gently. He releases it gently. What is it that Paul speaks about at the beginning of the letter to Ephesians? For God has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing. Where? In Christ. And you and I this morning are in Christ. So what does that mean? He has blessed us already. It is something that has already taken place. He has blessed us with every spiritual blessing that there can possibly be in Christ. And yes, I say, come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. But Lord, I want to say, Lord, release the spirit that is within me. Release the spirit that is in within me. One of the reasons that that passage and the beginning of Acts is so important to me and so precious to me is that 40 years ago, more now, the minister that led me to Christ, we started to say there must be more than this. Long before the song was written, And he challenged us in the week before Pentecost to go away and read. But not to read with closed minds, but to read with open minds. And to say, Lord, release the spirit that is within me. Release the spirit who is within me. Because that spirit that is within me is a spirit of power, is a spirit of God's ability. We get hung up on that word power because we don't like it, but behind it is is the, the whole concept of the ability of God. The ability of God to do amazing things. And you'll be exploring a little bit of that in your connect groups of what that is. And that ability to be witnesses. To be witnesses. Yeah, time has moved on. It's 10 o'clock. We're going to worship. Can we come back, John? And I want us to, for 10 minutes, 
doesn't matter if other people come, they can come and join us. Coffee can wait. Coffee can wait. But I want us just to come in these moments. Offer ourselves afresh to God. Maybe, maybe you need to confess that yes, you've always looked upon the work of the Holy Spirit as something that's going to come, God's going to drop it down on from heaven on you rather than release something within you. But I believe that God wants to release something within each and every one of us this morning and over these next few weeks. God wants to release us into a new and fresh understanding of the work and of the power of his Holy Spirit in us. Are you ready for it? Are you open for it? What do you expect? That's for next week. But let's pray. Just in the quietness, just for a moment. Bring your own prayer to God. Maybe, you, maybe you're a person who likes all the T's crossed, crossed and all the do- I's dotted. Maybe you like to know the beginning from the end and maybe you've just got to confess before God that I'm sorry, Lord. I come afresh to you this morning. Father, will you come afresh to us as individuals, but as a congregation, as a people here at Brighton Baptist Church? And will you release within us the power of your Holy Spirit that you have already poured into our lives? That same Spirit who has brought us to confess our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. That same Spirit who has washed us and dealt with all our sin and shame. That same Spirit who has brought us so that our lives, so that we are hidden in Christ. That same Spirit who has taken up residence in our lives. Lord, will you release? Will you release that spirit? Will you release your spirit? In a new and fresh way. Lord, will you bring visions and dreams to your people as the prophet Joel said? Father, will you release new giftings upon your people? Yes, giftings in evangelism, giftings in administration, giftings in healing, giftings in prophecy, giftings in tongues and interpretation. Lord, will you come and just surprise us? Lord, will you just drag us out of our apathy? Father, will you just drag us out and bring us into the fullness of life that Jesus promised? That life lived in the power of your Spirit because there is freedom there. So, Lord, we come. Thanks, John.